Welcome to CCC Talks, empowering IT and business professionals in their digital transformation journey. Find all the latest tips, tricks, and strategies at our blog and resource center at cloudcredential.org. And now our host, CCC Managing Director, Mark O'Laughlin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of CCC Talks with Mark O'Laughlin and the Cloud Credential Council. Now, today, we're joined by Elaine Montilla, who is Assistant Vice President for Information Technology and CIO at the University of New York, probably flooded over the weekend, an official member of the Forbes Technology Council and a founder of 5X Minority. And this is where you're on a personal mission to make America workspaces inclusive again and to elevate those unheard voices of women and the underrepresented minorities in tech. Elaine, thank you for joining us on CCC Talks today. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. That sounds so interesting. Yes, Mark, I'm delighted to be here. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I was actually born and raised in the Dominican Republic. I moved to the U.S. at the age of 16, 17, right after finishing high school, and I did not speak a word of English. So that was my first challenge coming into a new yes. country and learning a new name. My name was actually Elaine up until that point. And then people started to call me Elaine, which was like, like getting a new identity for me as a Latina woman. Yeah. Um, and so I came into the U.S. I love technology. I think it came from my brother. My brother loves technology and I used to watch him open computers. And so... I got interested in it, and, and and that's how my career started in tech. I started in customer service, all the way up to where I am today as a CIO. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the name change later on and how it fits into, I think, the story about um, representation and what that means. We'll come back to that in a moment. Now, you're very busy. I have a shortened version of your description here, which I think is really good. Accomplished CIO diversity and inclusion advocate, TEDx speaker. You have a fantastic TEDx talk on this. I ask, I urge our listeners to have a listen to that. It's really good. That's how we found you. And a founder of this own, your own company, 5X Minority. And if you're not busy enough, Forbes Tech contributor. And I'm sure our listeners are curious, so we'll get them to listen on. I stole a bit of your tagline from LinkedIn there. But I wanted to ask you was, um, the 5X minority uh, organization that you've set up, you know, I think, you know, you want to focus on inclusivity, uh, the unheard voices of women in tech, and there's so many of those. And, um, you know, what we hear as well, you speak about it is women coming into tech and leaving tech, which, which is travesty, you know, all it's like a brain drain. Um, first of all, you can tell us a little bit why you set this up, but first of all, it's probably to address some challenges that you found in the tech industry. So what were those challenges that you saw early on or that continue today? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the challenges that I will mention are challenges that if you look at articles from 10, 15 years ago, they were listed already back then and we still have them today. So not yes. a lot has changed. We've made some progress. But like you said, 10% uh, of women leave tech uh, um, shortly after they start. And one of the biggest reasons is the lack of support and mentorship. And that's one of the reasons I decided to give this TEDx talk on the value of mentorship for women, especially, and underrepresented minorities. And I saw that myself when I started in tech. I saw it in the classroom where I was the only girl uh, learning how to program C++. And it was even worse in the workplace where I would go to meetings 
and sit around the table and not see myself represented anywhere. And you know, for young girls, it's so important to be able to see someone that looks like you yeah. doing the work that you want to do. And so as a CIO, now I see it as my responsibility to kind of be a mentor and role models for young girls. You know, I think one of the biggest issues in tech really starts with the hiring process. We have really outdated hiring processes. And yes. I wish that we would be able to, for example, remove the names from the resumes because there's this thing called unconscious bias that we all have. And sometimes we don't even know that we have it. And so when you look at someone's name, you have this, conceptions that you make about this person, especially if the name is of a black person or a Latino or Asian, these thoughts come to mind already before you even see the qualifications. So I think that it will be beneficial if we can remove the names so that we can focus on the actual skills that we're looking for. Um, another issue that's actually keeping women out of tech is the interview process. Um, the job descriptions for once are too long. It, they have, it has become a wish list. I think people have like a big wish list. Uh, <laughs> and I've read some of them and I don't have all those qualifications. Are you kidding me? But then when it comes to the interview process, you know, Mark, we tend to be comfortable with people that look and sound like us. And so if we don't have a preset number of questions, we tend to ask questions more to the people that look like us. And so yes. we're leaving people out. And it's yes. just those little things combined with maybe bias training for managers and supervisors in the workplace that I think would really help start to make a difference. We have to start seeing people as humans and yes. remove all these titles that we put on them the moment we meet them. That's interesting. That's come up on the, the two years we've been doing this podcast. Um, a lot of it has come back to the humanity of IT um, a friend of ours, Simone John Moore, talks a lot about this and actually does presentations on this about trying to get the humanity back in to IT, get back into tech. The software just gets us so far, but, you know, it's about the human connection, the people connection. And without the people doing the right things, the software doesn't do anything at the end of the yeah, day. You, you know, I've been talking about that for a while, and that's one of the reasons I enjoy writing for Force, because I can reach a bigger audience. Yes. The technology will always be there, right? Yes. And I think yes. we focus too much on the technology. The people behind the technology is what we need to take care of. Uh, you have AI technology that pretty soon is going to take care of itself. But people is what matters. And I think as leaders, we're so afraid of being vulnerable. We're so afraid of making mistakes. And especially when it comes to diversity and inclusion, we're so afraid of saying the wrong thing. And change is not going to come until we're comfortable saying the wrong thing, educating ourselves, and then doing a pivot so that once we learn, we can admit to it and then make a change. People are very forgiven. I think we worry too much in our minds. We do forget that. We we always say here, I always say, it's not a mistake if you learn from it. Now, it can be a, a mess up, but it's not a mistake if there's a learning to be had and you apply the learning, not just about learning it too. That's interesting. I was going to ask there what you thought about, um, will the future, what happens when AI comes in to that interview process that you mentioned? I think it'll just get crazier. It's not going to solve the problem of the humanization of uh, getting skills into the organization that probably make it worse. It will make it worse. And uh, I, I've been reading about it recently, and there is research that is showing that 
humans are putting their unconscious bias into the AI programming. And so the same thing is happening. When you yes. look at pictures of candidates, when you look at the names, when you try to think about the pronunciation, I don't think it's getting any better. I think we need humans to fix this human issue. A computer is not going to do it. We had um, a very senior professor on um, a couple of months ago, and he said the same. Like, he was looking at AI back in the 70s, and he says, look, today's mm. AI is just another marketing version for some intelligent software that's not really intelligent. Um, and what people were doing was, you mentioned that bias that they're putting in. They're putting that bias into the AI. So what's the AI going to do? It's going to do that, but uh, a lot, a lot bigger in in terms of what's it, what it's going to output, you know. So he says we're yeah. putting that bias in without knowing it, thinking it's going to do something better. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there have been so many reports. I think the founder of of Twitter mentioned this. If he had more women when the company was created, they would have avoided so many issues. And I think that's the part that we don't see that as a minority, I have so much that I bring to the table. I speak another language. I understand another market, right? And so there are yes. so many benefits to having different voices at the table, even when it comes to creativity and having different minds and having people challenge one another. You don't want people to think the same and sound the same. Creativity doesn't grow there. No, you just get more of the same, which is, which is not good. And actually, as you said at the start there about coming to America at 16, a name that people pronounce differently, not having English, the first language over there. I mean, there are massive barriers to overcome. And then the list of accomplishments I've just read off earlier on, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's the background that we come from and put into challenges that we just have to deal with. You just have to deal with that. You wouldn't get very far not speaking English or not trying to fit in or not trying to use the systems that were there. So I think there's a lot about that with the word cross-pollination of people from different languages, uh, different minorities, different, we'll talk about tribes later on, that they bring in this different vision, this different view, this, these different challenges that they've had to deal with. And that is like a multiplier of achievement, isn't it? It's it's a lot. And I can tell you that early on in my career, I suffer from what people call imposter syndrome, yes. which I don't know if it exists or it's just a system that was created to keep us down. Uh, but listen, I used to doubt myself a lot. And I spent a lot of years feeling that like I didn't belong anywhere. The funny thing is that once I learned English, I took a trip back home, and when I was speaking Spanish, people would look at me and say, where are you from? You're not from here. <laughs> because my <laughs> Spanish started to sound different, and I was starting to yeah. tell myself, wow, I don't belong anywhere. Um, and so, you know, especially women, we need the tools so that we can learn how to overcome things like imposter syndrome. We need to learn how to be assertive. Um, yes. Not because there's something wrong with us. I want to make yes. sure that I, yeah. I, I'm clear on that but because the systems that were created uh, do not allow us to be authentically ourselves and thrive, right? So we have to adjust a little bit. Uh, learning yeah. how to speak up in a meeting when people didn't wanna hear what I had to say, it, it took a lot of time and it took a lot of courage and it was uncomfortable. And so it's a journey. It is, and sometimes in those situations, and they can be very frustrating for a minority, even for women to speak in a male dominated boardroom. Um, 
But I think sometimes what I've heard is some of the learnings is to learn to do it and not get too caught up in whether it was effective or not. Because there's a bigger decision to be made by more people, that's fine. But at least you did it. You said what you wanted to say. You had the conviction to say it. You stand by what you say. And by doing that, you're kind of removing this imposter syndrome that's probably built into most of us because just the societal norms. That by doing it and doing the actions, you're probably breaking it down bit by bit subconsciously. I know it's very difficult to do, but I think it's kind of just if you do it, you go, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just share a little bit of the struggle that we have, especially minorities and women. Yes. We have this need, innate need to belong. We want to belong really bad. And what happens, especially in the workplace, is that we tend to be people pleasers. And it's not easy to let go of that because I want you, Mark, to like me. And I want to be part of your group. And I want to get a raise. And I want to be able to have communications with you during lunch. And so that tendency to be a people pleaser sometimes gets in the way of us knowing, you know what, I'm Elaine and this is what I think and I'm going to say it and I don't care what people say. It's really hard for minorities to get out of that mindset. It takes it takes a while. It is. And I think that's what Jack mentioned Twitter, that if he had more of that, he probably wouldn't have made the mistakes they did along the way because they do need that. But there is this, I guess, culture that's come from maybe 100 years ago, maybe more about that you've got to be right, can't be wrong, can't make a wrong decision, wrong gets you fired. I think wrong gets you up the trick, as long as it doesn't bankrupt the company, <laughs> it's not stupidly wrong. We're all going to make mistakes. Nobody gets it right all the time. But by making mistakes, we learn. And the philosophers will say, you don't learn unless you make mistakes. That's, we said it before on this uh, podcast. That's why babies make mistakes and babies do silly things and babies don't care because they're trying to learn all the time. You know? um, yeah, I'm so, glad, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's continual learning. We must. So I always think, look back at the, the babies and children and what they do, and we should do more of that. Um, this topic of inclusivity. So, do, you know, why does it matter at the end of the day to customers, businesses, or society? That's a big open question there. But say businesses, customers, does it matter? Why should it matter to them? It, it matters a lot, especially to companies. You know, um, there is so much research that shows uh, all the benefits that come to the company and the user if the employees are happy. For example, like I started in customer service and knowing that the end user listens to the help desk person and the way the help desk person feels, it's something that the customer is going to hear. So you want to make sure that they're happy so that you can transmit that. Internally, when you're working in projects and teams, you want to make sure that you have a successful project and you need creativity and you need innovation. And that does not come from having the same people around the table who have been thinking the same way for so many years. Uh, And so I think the benefits go around even inside within teams. We tend to be more creative when we have people that are challenging us and asking questions instead of just sitting quiet in a meeting and just saying yes to whatever comes. So we need we need that little shake up inside the company so that we can all be better. We all become better leaders too if we understand how to get along with different people from different backgrounds. And isn't that a different management style and leadership style now to ones that we've learned in the past, isn't it? Like, you know, your typical MBA, whatever that is, if it's an MBA rooted in the past, you're probably going to get your traditional style management. But there's, there's, there's newer ones coming out with this in, in mind with, 
inclusivity, making failures, getting people to speak up and encouraging them, rewarding them, have your say, we put it in the melting pot and we make sense of it. That's what the leaders and the management are meant to do, make sense of everybody's view against a challenge and try and bring together the right decision, not necessarily their decision. Yeah, and and I I recently wrote an article about inclusive leadership, which is the way where we have to go. And, you know, as leaders, I mentioned vulnerability earlier, and I think that's going to be one of the key things that leaders will need, especially after COVID and moving forward and out of this pandemic. Uh, Something that you mentioned earlier, uh, we call psychological safety, is needed in every team. Every leader needs to be able to create a space where people feel comfortable making mistakes, where people feel comfortable speaking up. And so that does not mean that you're going to make mistakes over and over again, and it's okay. No, it means that I understand what happened. I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to ask you, tell me what went wrong. What are the lessons that came from it? And I can tell you that I grow so much every time I make a mistake or there is a failure in my life. These are inevitable. Uh, And so I think sometimes we try so hard to push them down or be perfect. And that's just not sustainable anymore. And so leaders who take the time to listen and to have difficult conversations. This is the other thing, Mark. I think back in the days, it was okay to have some topics outside of the workplace and not in the workplace. For example, here in the U.S., we just went through the Black Lives Matter movement. I sent an email to all of my staff acknowledging what we're going through, letting them know how I think. We need to be more human. And I think uh, if we avoid that, if we avoid all of that, we're just going to be in the same place and not grow as a company and as a leader in general. I think, yeah, we need to be more human. I think we're trying to make ourselves more technologically inhuman sometimes. Um, but I think we do need to be more human and have a look at that and to realize that, you know, it's that phrase, what got us here won't get us there. What was behavior in the past isn't behavior for today or, or for tomorrow. What we thought we should do in the past isn't what we should be doing today. I love this phrase. You've mentioned, you just mentioned there about vulnerability, but vulnerability being a superpower. And I think that that's so important that as part of this conversation that we do have to be. But as you said, not only is it a psychological safe place for the workers, but I think it's needed for the management as well and the leadership that they can allow this vulnerability in. But you do have to manage it to a degree. Not everybody can go make uh, all these mistakes and things like that. I think it's always like a framework that you have to allow people to try things out within these parameters and then come back yeah. to it. And it could be small things. I mean, um, just to give you an example, when the pandemic started, I had an all staff meeting. I called everyone in together and I said, I want you to know that I don't know what's going on and I don't know what we're going to do. I I think Instead of me trying to act like I know everything and we're going to take care of this together. Uh, I don't like saying we're in this together because we're not. I'm, I'm in a house with a backyard and some of my staff, they're in an apartment with a one bedroom and three people yes. in it. And so small things like that, just acknowledging that, you know what, I, I don't know how we're gonna get through this. We're gonna figure it out as we go and I'm gonna keep you updated and we're gonna have meetings as, as much as we need to so that we can all see what's the best way moving forward. Um, it's It doesn't take that much, but I think our culture and society 
has made us in a way where we don't want to look bad and we don't want to look like we don't know what we're talking about. Um, and I think the opposite uh, gets you more brownie points. Absolutely. And in a business context, I mean, um, I, I've coached uh, a lot of leaders before about, say, they, they get a um, customer ring up, uh, say, in your world, in the IT world, and their, say, their email system or something's just gone. It, it's it's down. So that's a big impact or their um, retail system or whatever has just stopped and they ring up. And typically what the uh, you know leader will do is try and explain something he doesn't understand to the customer. And the customer's like, you know, so I try, no, if you don't know what's happening at that point, tell the customer you don't know what's happening. You'd be vulnerable, <laughs> but say, I'm now going to get off this call. I'm going to ring somebody to find out what is happening. I'll call you back in 30 minutes whether I know what's happening or not because yep. I, will, I will keep on top of this. I had more confidence in somebody telling me they don't know, but here's what they're going to do about it, rather than feeding me a load of stuff that may or may not be true. <laughs> Same kind of thing. We call, it, we call it BS, Mark. We call it BS. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. keeping it politically correct here, but we're really oh, challenging the, the mainstream. Yeah. Um, mentoring. So mentoring is important, I, I imagine, in, in inclusivity. You talk a lot about it. Um, does mentoring address this? And then secondly, you know, when you think about mentoring, is it easy for, I can say, for women um, in tech to either look for mentoring or ask for mentoring, or is that seen as a sign of failure? Which it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, but I'm just, what's your view? Yeah, um, I would not see it as a sign of failure. And no, I don't think it's easy to find a mentor either. Um, and I will tell you why. Uh, for me, a mentor is, is, is a personal relationship where I would not just walk up to you one day and say, Mark, can you be my mentor? I want you to be my mentor. It's a relationship that gets developed over time. And so one thing that I always mention is start internally with your networks and demonstrate to others how capable you are, how smart you are. People will notice. People will see it. Um, and start small. If you have someone that you look up to and you know that you can learn from them, start by asking small questions. Maybe ask them out for a tea. Uh, and then if you ask a question, make sure you follow because being a mentor is one side of the coin, but you need to be a good mentee also. Are you yes. following up? Are you listening? Yes. Can you take constructive criticism? That is huge. Are you able to commit to what your mentor is telling you to do? So I think we need to look at both sides. Uh, but, it, you know, start with internal networks, go online, LinkedIn, it's huge right now. And yeah. so follow people that are doing what you're doing. And uh, flattery can go a long way. Yes. Praise them, you know, share their content and slow, you know, send them a message and slowly, you know, it will happen. I think it's an organic relationship. I don't think we ask people to do it. Now, there are a lot of places online where you can sign up to be a mentor. I actually do that a lot. And so you get paired with someone and you can meet once a month and have a and have an agenda. That works, too. Um, in my personal life, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I would be where I am if I didn't have the mentors that I had. Yes. And for me, I love reading. And the authors of every book that I've read, I consider them my mentors too, because they've shared yes. all of their knowledge in the pages of the book. And I learn a lot when I follow up on, on the advice that they're sharing that I think applies to me. So there are many ways of doing it. I think that's very good advice. That a lot of people would think the mentor is a person you go to or you find in your job 
or maybe a coach or something that you come across and and work it that way but you've given us i think another eight different areas to think about even these authors and things can be mentored if you read them understand them watch them follow them listen to what they say that's fantastic and then the other thing whether it's a mentor in work that's assigned a mentor or whether you use your networks and your connections and your friends and even just start up a conversation i think that's very powerful is there a challenge though in this again i don't know the answer because it's, it's a kind of chicken and egg thing if we have less women in the it sector and as you talk about you know um uh, we get 40% dropouts in tech courses, and then in the job place, we get 40 to 60 to 80% dropouts of women over a 10 year period. Um, it's going to be more difficult either for women or minorities to find that like person to be a mentor as well. So we're challenged that way. So the ideas that you've given are really good because if they face that in work, it's not the end of the road. There's these other ideas Elaine has given to go look for mentorship outside and in other various places which i think is very very helpful yeah that's you know this is another reason why i think role models is so important and another reason why companies need to promote more people of color to the c-suite because we need more people like that that we can see that we can relate to especially young girls and you know something else i wanted to share is that when you find a mentor and you start that relationship if it doesn't work, it's okay. You don't have to stay. I've had a lot of girls send me emails saying, you know, we're not getting alone. And I would say, find another one. You don't have to keep that relationship with that one mentor. Um, something else I want to share is that you don't have to have one mentor. I have three right now. <laughs> um, don't limit yourself. You don't just need one. You could have a mentor for public speaking, for example. You could have a mentor for the IT world, which I have. And you can have a mentor for your personal life stuff, which I have. Um, and the last thing I wanted to mention is that some people think your mentor needs to look and sound like you, and that's not true either. Uh, two yeah. of my mentors right now are, are white men who are amazing human beings and mentor me and are available to me whenever I struggle with something. And I value their feedback so much. So don't feel that if you're a woman, you need a female mentor. Um, you develop the relationship, see how it goes and you will feel it you would know yeah well, that's interesting and i think that's a fantastic thing to mention now so i'm going to go back to your intro so when i did your intro you're an accomplished cio and um, you're avp you're this diversity advocate a tedx speaker you're founder of 5x minority a forbes tech contributor and you still have three mentors people would say you've made it girl <laughs> you know you've made it but is this so important to continue that because that helps us keep going, isn't it? That helps us continue to make either right decisions or to see a different view or to bring something into your equation that makes you better tomorrow than you were yesterday, isn't it? It's still important to keep doing that. Listen, Mark, I, I want to hire people that are smarter than me. I yes. want to be surrounded by people that I can rely on who would solve problems and give me ideas. I don't have all the answers. I can yeah. tell you that I don't have all the answers. And I consider myself a student for life. I'm always learning something. Um, no. I have goals every year and every year I have two or three items that I want to learn. That's how I got started in public speaking. I made it a goal to learn public speaking yes. and I yes. joined a group and that's how we got started. And so yeah. this year I'm learning WordPress. 
And so don't feel that, you know, when you see people at the top, they have it all figured out and they know everything. That's another mistake that we make as leaders. People only read what you just read. They don't see the struggle and they don't see what happens behind the curtains. I'm always learning and I'm and I always want to know what else is out there. That's another advantage of being a mentor. I learn from from this younger generation so much every yes. time I meet with them. They're actually teaching me. <laughs> yes. They're teaching me what's the new technology coming up, what's the new app that I need to use. It's a two-way relationship. It's a win-win relationship. It isn't it's a shortcut to learning the new stuff that's coming in that um it's difficult, but also it's giving something back. It's that phrase, sending yeah. the elevator back down. You know, yes. you've been helped along the way. You're now there. And I think we should do more of that. I think, I guess, sometimes in the traditional way of management styles doesn't always accommodate this whatsoever. But I do see, I, I think it's growing trend. It will change. I hope it changes, certainly in our lifetimes, um, that, you know, within whatever period of time that the management changes to this inclusivity, to this vulnerability, to this, uh, I won't say risk-taking, but mistake-making with the idea of learning from it. Best way we, we learn, you know, make mistakes. You know, uh, you, you can't teach a lot of this um, without people physically trying to, you know, go do something, experiment. I think it's experimentation. And that's what got us here in this world, I think. Um, are there some key obstacles still to this type of diversity? Is it the old management thinking? Is it the the people afraid of letting go, people afraid to be vulnerable when, you know, is it that kind of, um, you've got this hierarchy dominance in uh, organizations, you know, it gets very thin going up to the top and nobody wants to let anybody else in or they might. <laughs> and that's where they actually feel uh, threatened. It's not vulnerable, but threatened. And they shouldn't be because if they can deliver value to the business, why would you be threatened? Let, you know, grow the business. Uh, are, are these still some of the obstacles and is there anything can be done about them? Yeah, it's actually all of the above. You mentioned all of them. Uh, I think a big, for big me. problem. Yeah, I think a big problem is that we have a scarcity mentality, and in that scarcity mentality, we feel that if somebody else is coming to the top, there is less room for us. Yes. And so, because yeah. of that, we're not allowing other people to make yes. it. And it happens, and it's I'm sad to say that sometimes it happens with women not allowing other women because there could only be one. Uh, even if you look at the media, if there is a Latina in this movie, there is only room for one, so we cannot have a second one. So I think we have created all of this and, and there is some progress I've seen, especially with TV shows having more female representation, LGBTQ yeah. representation yeah. and Latina yes. representation. And so we're making progress, but this scarcity mentality, we need to do something with it because there is more than enough for everyone to go around. Um, and then this mindset of I'm at the top, uh, I always put my org chart upside down because I feel that the front desk staff, my help desk staff are my number one priority. They yes. are the ones talking to the customer. I work for them. They don't work for me. I work for them. If someone needs my help, that's why I'm there to remove the obstacles so that they can do what they need to do. I'm not there to make myself look better. Uh, yes. I praise myself all the time. So <laughs> I don't need it so much from the outside. And that's so important for eliminating imposter syndrome as well. Going back to that thing is self-praise. 
Don't wait for other people or acknowledgement or what they think. You praise yourself for a good job done. Now, even if you've done something wrong, learn from it and then go, okay, I learned something from that. We won't do it again. But isn't that a key superpower to getting you out of the imposter syndrome into self-praise and continued self-praise? Don't look for it objectively in other people because they may may not, they have other agendas. Yeah, number one, number one. I always say that, um, well, first of all, we need to learn how to take uh, <laughs> praise from other people, especially women. We're so shy and we don't want to take it. It took me a while to learn to say thank you. Yes, I did that. I'm a TEDx speaker. Yes, thank you. Uh, I praise myself all the time. I high five myself when I have a big accomplishment. Um, and, you know, I think we don't know how to self-promote. Yes. That is one thing that is keeping us out. We are waiting for someone else to say something good about us. We are waiting for people to see how great we are. We need to do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need to find an opportunity to be in a meeting or to have someone in an elevator that's important and make sure we share what we accomplished, what we did. Don't wait for that yearly review that comes yes. once a year. You want to show that constantly and you want to keep track of it. You want to write it down because you need that information to bring it with you when you're asking for a raise, when you're asking for an increase in responsibilities or even for the actual review. Absolutely. And even on a bad day where you may get some negative criticism or something like that, you take out all of these accomplishments and you look at them and you say, I have done this. Whatever was going on out there isn't a true reflection. And you're kind of building up that superpower. Um, you know. Yeah, you know, Mark, one question that I always ask myself when I make a mistake or, or, or something happens and it doesn't go the way I want it to go, I always stop and tell myself, what is this here to teach me? What is this here to teach me, right? And I'm a spiritual person, so I meditate and I journal and that helps a lot. But there is always a lesson, right? And so you want to make sure you make time. You don't, you don't rush over it. You make time to stop and find out what went wrong? Maybe I didn't prepare enough. Maybe I needed to do more research for that conversation with Mark before we connected. Think about it and learn from it and then move on. You can't yes, stay move there. On. Move Isn't on to the next important? one. Learn yeah. and move yeah. on. It's like the baby again. Baby makes a mistake, falls over, gets back up, moves on. Forgotten about it. I think we need that. Yeah, and I wish they would. Um, I don't mean necessarily teach that, but would acknowledge that within a lot of the college courses coming out, even tech courses, that it's not all about learning coding. It's not all about learning the tech. It's actually, could we have a module on humanity, please, and how we're meant to get through? Now, I love what you just mentioned about getting your org chart and turning it upside down, especially if there's a customer desk on the front. Because, yeah, I agree with you. I think the, you know, the face of a business, a lot of the times, outside of the storefronts or whatever that is, is their experience at the customer desk. They have a problem, something hasn't been fulfilled, and they call in. And far too often, I think, organizations are stripping away at these desks and, you know, lower costs and all this kind of stuff. I, I Personally, I think it's the wrong thing to do. I think the stars of our company are the ones that interact with the customer at the end of the day. And as you said, yeah. you're there to help them. So in addition now, you've change the thinking, change the focus. And personally, I think what you're telling me there is you're not so much focused on your career scramble to the top. You're focused on your customer people, the customers at the end of the day. And that's what drives you up the ladder, not your personal desire to climb up the hierarchy. 
it's your ability to do the right thing and to deliver value and customer focus to the to the business will get you up there. It's the same, you, get you the same result, but you do it a completely different way. But you know what, Mark? I would not look good if they don't make me look good. They are the yes. ones that make me look good. Uh, yes. It's funny you mentioned that. Yesterday, I, I was walking around and I came back to my desk uh, at the university and I found a note from the president saying, thank you for all you do, I appreciate you. And I took a picture of that note and we have a, a Microsoft Teams channel for all the staff. And I yes. took a picture and I uploaded that picture to the channel, to the staff. And I said, this is for you. This is yes. not for me. This is because of everything you've done to yeah. support the faculty and staff and students in the last year and a half. This is for each one of you. This is not for me. And so if I don't take care of them, we're going to have chaos and I'm going to look bad in the end. And, and the president will look bad in the university. Everybody would look bad. And so it's it's just changing that mindset of understanding what's important. And you're proving it's not difficult. It can be done. We just have to move on from our old way of thinking. Now, Lynn, you've also talked about the power of authenticity. I've heard you talk about a little bit of that. But what do you mean by that? And how does that drive this topic of inclusivity? Yeah. Um, you know, because I came from another country and because I had a very heavy accent uh, when I first came to the U.S., I was very shy. And what happens to people like me is that we develop a new persona. And so what happened to me is that when I went into work, I was one version of Elaine. And then when I was home, I was a different version of Elaine. And I couldn't connect the two because, because again, people pleasing was getting in the way. I wanted to belong. I wanted people to like me. Um, I learned that that doesn't work. And not only that, it's exhausting. It was yes. exhausting. And so I believe in having one version of you and bringing that version everywhere you go. And the yes. people who will who matter will be with you and will accept you. So there is only one Elaine. The same way I'm talking to you now, Mark, is the same way I talk to my staff and I talk to a customer uh, who's booking me for a talk. I'm only one version of me. And you will hear the same things everywhere. I don't have to think and change who I am because now you are white and I want to sound like you or you are or even the other way even if I'm speaking to a friend who is black and I start throwing slangs because I want to sound like them there is no need for that I mean yeah. there is only one Elaine and I am perfect the way I am why would I waste time trying to be someone else and so to me that's what it means it's just being your yourself and being able to express yourself fully in the workplace which a lot of people can. I can tell you people um, from the LGBTQ community, for example, they cannot yeah. be themselves because they get punished. And so we need to keep working and keep having these conversations like the one we're having right now so that mm -hmm. we can allow people to be fully themselves everywhere they go. It is exhausting. And if you're tired, how can you contribute to a company if you're yeah. tired? And so, yeah. Or then seek those companies that allow that to happen, you know, spend a bit of time and you will find them. And there's more and more companies that are embracing this. Look, just come to work as yourself. We, you know, as a general cultural directive, we're supporting it. And if there's any challenges, we'll deal with that through HR or whatever that is. But to try and get out of that, as you said, that that different personality, I've seen it for, for as long as I've been in work. You can spot people that have different personalities and they're doing it for different reasons. Maybe it's promotion group, the ladder. Maybe it's to fit in with a segment within work, a, tr a certain yeah. tribe within a tribe. You know, they want to be liked. But I think the best thing you can do is be yourself. 
be comfortable with yourself, know yourself, praise yourself, and be the best version of yourself you can be on any given day. And to that, to me, it's happiness. If 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 outside doesn't accept it, well, that's their problem. Now we know there's big the challenges, co- but that's I think that's the, the aim is to try and be the best version of yourself. Is that power of authenticity, isn't it? Yeah, but look at what's happening now, Mark. People mm. are leaving their jobs. People are quitting their jobs. Yes. Large numbers of people realized during the pandemic that it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Like I don't have the energy to continue to fake it till I yes. make it. That doesn't work. There is no need to fake it. You need to be yourself. And yes. so I could I could see in the future having more entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people who just can't deal with this anymore. And so if we don't change, I think I see that already. Uh, it's hard to hire people now. People, Companies are going to be affected by this because now people, especially, <laughs> I'm trying to do this myself, during the interview process, we are feeling more empowered to ask, what are you doing about diversity, equity, and inclusion? That's a question that everyone should ask during an interview because they need you, but you need them and you want to make sure that you're happy. You don't want to take a job and then leave after six months. And so yes. I think that it's inevitable. This is where the world is going. Yes, I think that's a good welcome change. I think it's a good welcome change um, going forward. I think that's a very good pertinent question to ask or what do you, what are your views to, to flow that? Um, are there a couple of benefits? We'll finish on some of the benefits then about the inclusivity. Uh, one of them you started talking about earlier on was this uh, human connection. I think that's a massive benefit to any organization that we have better human connections, stronger bonds, and actually the willingness and want to get along together to achieve a wider goal rather than individual goals. Isn't that one of the the benefits overall? Yeah, I think that you will see, and we just talked about people leaving the company, you see people being more loyal to a company when they are allowed to be fully themselves, when they are allowed to speak up during a meeting. And I think we all should want that. There is also increased teamwork. Uh, I see people who are more willing to work with other people because they know that they, they've done it before and it works well. And so I'm, I'm hoping that we can look into this two-way benefits because it's not only for the employer, also for the employee to be in a place where you can be happy and wake up with the desire to go to work. Uh, I'm yeah. hoping that we can make that change and and um, and look at our hiring practices. I'm going to focus on that a little more because we need to do better. Very good, very good. And you said things like uncoupling this unconscious bias, trying to get rid of that. And then I love the um, options you gave for mentoring. There's such a, such a lot of mentoring there. A final thing you just mentioned it there a second ago um, is. I think what helps this as well is part of this mentoring is finding someone who has succeeded, finding someone who has come true and look at them and say, well, if they've done it, why can't I? I think, Elaine, your story is one of these fantastic stories of achievement. There's lots, you know, of you've come a long way, you've come through challenges, you've pushed yourself, not happy enough being just a CIO. You said, I want to become a speaker. I want to, you know, write for Forbes, this kind of stuff. Keep going. And it becomes a little easier, doesn't it? First of all, when you find someone that has achieved it, you then take away a barrier. And then you think to yourself, well, I can do some of that. And then you ask yourself, what do you want to do? So somebody doesn't have to evaluate and say, I want to do what Elaine's done. They don't need to be a speaker if they don't want to be. 
they need to achieve what they want to achieve in their terms, don't they? Yeah, and not only that, but you know, what works for me may not work for other women in yeah. tech. We each have our own journeys that we're following. Yeah. And you know, when I when I do public speaking, when I am mentoring young girls, I actually feel more energized at the end. I don't feel tired. And so there is a drive inside of me that tells me, okay, this this is the right thing to do. This is what I want to do. I'm happy when I do it. I don't feel depleted. And so that's, I think, what some people are feeling in the workplace and why they're yes. leaving because they don't have that joy at the end of the day. Yes. And so it's important to try to think about the things that bring you joy and how can you incorporate that in, into the workplace somehow? Absolutely. How can you incorporate that in or how can you go find it? I guess finally, just uh, just finish on the speaking part. I would imagine that you're a fantastic speaker. Um, stage presence is really, really, you know, it's really good. But I would imagine that, you don't have to answer it, but the first time up on the stage is probably harrowing. Most people will say it's horrific. You know, I remember my first time up on the stage and it was a kind of moment where I said, what the hell am I doing here? I put myself here willingly and it's it's just terrifying. But it becomes less terrifying the next time and the next time and the next time. So don't look at somebody and see, oh, that looks perfect. I'll never do that. Because the first time it wasn't. But we learned from it, didn't we? You know. Yeah, I can tell you, Mark, that I was terrified of public speaking. I would get a knot in my throat and I couldn't speak. I couldn't eat and I couldn't drink water because I couldn't swallow. Yeah. Uh, it was really bad. And what I learned is that fear never goes away. And yes. we are always waiting for it to go somewhere. And it's not yes. going anywhere. You have yes. to learn to feel the fear and do it anyways, right? Yes, and yes. so one trick that I that I use often is that instead of saying I'm afraid, I switch the word fear with excitement. And so yes. every time I'm going up a stage, I said, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I keep repeating that in my head. I'm so excited to speak with Mark in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. That was me this morning. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I took classes. I took a lot of classes. There is a group here called Toastmasters. I don't know if yes. you have that there. Oh, yes, I joined. Yeah. I I joined a Toastmaster club. They helped me so much. And now and it's and I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes. It's a, it's an ongoing process, but now I know that it's not about me. And that's what changed everything for me. When I realized that it was about my message and the people who were listening to it, and I stopped worrying about me so much and the way I look and my hair and my clothes, it made me feel more comfortable because I knew they were not here to see me. They wanted to learn something. They wanted yeah. to get something from me. And so that changed everything. And it helped me feel a little more comfortable, but I'm still afraid before I start public speaking. I don't, that never goes away. You just have to leave it there and, and be friends with it. Most speakers are, most actors suffer imposter syndrome. And every time they get up on the stage, they're about to fall apart. They just somehow, I love what you said there. That switch, we'll finish on this, is using the switch because that fear, if you turn into excitement, you can, it's the same kind of energy. It's just raw energy going through. You can almost switch it over to get mm -hmm. you started. Once you start, you're then through, you know, uh, and you said practice. A lot of this is the same with that, is the practice you do beforehand. We make it yeah. easy. You know, it was like, uh, oh, that was an easy speech. I was just 10 years getting here kind of thing, you know. <laughs> but um. I think um, Elaine, I think it's fantastic. I think your story is is really good. I I love what you're doing there with the 5x minority. 
Um, I recommend you know our listeners go listen to your TED talk as well and um, the conversations you're having about this because it is so important. I especially my, in our lifetimes, I would hope that we see a change and a change for the quicker because it will be for the better. We do need inclusivity. We do need different voices, different faces, different colors, different views in this global world because we're all it's, the world is so small now. We're all global. Um, we have to have that bigger view and we have to get away from being afraid and work from being this scramble up to the top to actually understanding what our value is and delivering that. And that should get us through. That should that should stand. Yeah, thank you so much. And and thank you for having a space like this where people like me can actually come in and, and, and feel like our voices are heard. I think you are making a difference, a, a contribution by creating uh, topics that are that are uh, helping everyone grow. So thank you for having me and, and thanks for this opportunity. I, I had a I had a lot of fun, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Elaine. So anyway, Elaine Montilla, thank you so much for joining us today on CCC Talks. Thank you for joining this episode of CCC Talks. We hope you enjoyed this episode and walk away with a ton of actionable insights. If this is your first time joining us, this is us extending a personal invitation to you to join other IT and business professionals. So please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or Google Play. If you are struggling in any capacity in your digital transformation journey, contact us. We'd be more than happy to guide you and find you the right certification courses to help you manage the challenges modern businesses are facing. This was CCC Talks. Until next time.